You are tuned in to Awaken Radio with Connie Chapman. To listen to more episodes, go to ConnieChapman.com or subscribe on iTunes. Hello everyone, this is Connie and welcome back to another episode of Awaken Radio. It is so awesome to be here with you again and I am bringing you a really uh, interesting and inspiring conversation with a powerhouse woman, a woman that I've been um, diving into her work recently and learning more about her and I've been so uh, moved and inspired by her energy and her story and her passion and I'm really excited to introduce her to you today. So her name is Maddie Moon and she is a motivational speaker and life coach. And after hiding behind fear and perfection and a risk aversion for many years, Maddie knows what it's like to play small, downplay your own existence and only hope that one day it will all be worth it. Today, Maddie's mission is to help you realize the heart-pounding fact that you've only been gifted one life and every day you're faced with the choice to either make the most of it unapologetically or fight against who you're really meant to be. Her work and story has been featured in the Huffington Post, Teen Vogue, Daily Mail, Vice and ABC News Nightline. Maddie is the host of the top-ranked podcast, Mind Body Musings, and can be found passionately exclaiming her love for taking life by its golden glittery reins on her online space, maddiemoon.com. Welcome, Maddie. It's beautiful to have you here. Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. I'm so excited to chat with you. I know. I'm really looking forward to it as well. So as I was kind of diving into your work, you know, I could really see that your own personal journey and story, as it is for many of us, has been such a key part in bringing you to where you are today and inspiring you to do the work that you do today. And I know that for a while back there, you were involved in fitness modeling and that became, it sounds like quite a destructive kind of path for you and, and some shifts and changes needed to happen for you around um, your, your mindset, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with everything. So I'd love to really go back to that time and hear a bit about your journey into fitness modeling and then um, what really was the catalyst for you to start to shift out of that and start to move into this different way of living and, and doing the work that you're doing now? Absolutely. So when I was younger, I started to pick up on the messages that the media was sending me that my loving um, friends and family members would would say, unawarely. And I started to see the correlation between the way you look and the way you're treated. Even um, when I was like second grade years old, um, I'm sorry, when I was in second grade, when I was around uh, eight years old, I started to really feel that my body was different from the bodies of my cousins, of my sister, and I needed to change something. As I got older, I got introduced to the concepts of controlling your food to control the way people see you. And that really caught on with me whenever I glided into middle school, high school. I had spurts of, I would say, anorexia and even bulimia at times. But it wasn't until I was introduced to fitness modeling and the fitness competition world that I really became overtaken by something called orthorexia, which is an obsession with healthy eating. And I signed up for my first fitness competition. I hired my first diet coach. The weight started to fly off. I would go to the gym for a certain amount of time and 
track every calorie I burned so that I ate less calories than that. I was already fairly small when I started this whole process. So as time went on, I started losing unnecessary weight. People would say, you look so great. Instead of saying, what's going on? Why are you losing all this weight? All I heard were compliments because people are so used to immediately reacting to weight loss with positive reinforcement. You look so wonderful. What are you doing? Can you help me? I want to look like that. So I started to get so addicted to these comments and I started to lose my identity in my body and I started to correlate my worth and how well or slash good I ate with uh, how much weight I had lost, how well I stayed on track with my diet or where I placed or where I ranked in these fitness competitions. I did two of these shows, very, very damaging overall to every aspect of health with my mindset, my emotions, my relationships with family members, my hormones, my sleep. I didn't have carbohydrates in my body, so my physical energy was low. I also didn't have much fat in Uh, my body. So my mental state was really sluggish and foggy. I became essentially what is known as a meathead. And when you hear meathead, you think, you know, like tough and like serious. And that's exactly how I became because I had so much protein and it was really weighing me down because different foods create different reactions in your body. Some that are lighter lift you up give you more energy. Some are more grounding. And with so much protein in my diet, I was so grounded and so serious. And I even went into a period of what I would say is depression because I was at the smallest I had ever been at. I was eating the least amount I had ever eaten, but yet I wasn't enough. I was never there. I could never reach that standard of perfection that I held for myself or the standard of perfection that I dreamed the judges held over me. And On top of that, what many women may be able to say, ah, yeah, me too, is I had this addiction to control. I I was obsessed with control and I wanted to control how people saw me. I wanted to control my body as a way to get that feeling. It was all so false. It was all so made up. It was something in my mind, this coping mechanism. I said, okay, I don't feel good. I want to feel good. I will find control. Then I will feel good. But instead of really giving me true everlasting joy, it gave me this false and fleeting sense of everything's okay only because I was in control, Mm. but I really wasn't right. Cause we're never really in control. Mm. So this path was so destructive, so dangerous. And I did not really have people around me saying, Hey, what are you doing? Like, what's up? Or are you okay? Are you really happy? Does this really feel right? People were generally just saying things along the lines of, you look perfect, you look amazing. And I I thought to myself that if I lost this body, will people see me as a failure? Will I look like I filled this body and I gained all this weight and gaining weight equals this or equals that? When in reality, gaining weight means absolutely nothing besides the fact that you gained weight. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It doesn't mean that you're less than, it just means you, you gain weight, simple. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the media says. The media says if you gain weight, then you have to lose said weight. Well, what if that weight was the key for my happiness? What if it was the weight that I needed to gain in order to be able to go out and have mimosas with my friends? Um, so that was a very long period of my life. And out of that, I realized that 
there's this common issue that strings a lot of us women together, and that is this need for control or perfectionism. And out of that, I created my podcast. I started to coach clients one-on-one with this, created programs, hosted retreats. And two and a half years later, here I am doing this. I no longer focus my business on body image or food like I once did. I am now am strictly a life coach. So I wanted to share this part of my journey with you today because I know you're interested in this and I really think that it's still something that hits home for a lot of people. But the topics I talk about mainly today on my show or my website are in regards to life. And that includes all of the underlying reasons we cling to body image in the first place, which is control, perfectionism, everything I just listed, but it's the main big things. If you can target those things and if you can figure out those big areas in your life that you're struggling with, maybe even relationships or career or purpose or passion, then miraculously the body image stuff becomes less prevalent in your life and food becomes less of the big thing everything centers around in your life and those trivial I mean they are trivial concerns start to die away so you can start to focus on what really matters in life which is the big stuff the relationships the love the love with yourself your self-worth all of those beautiful things Mm. it's it's so interesting because what you just said around we think it's about getting the body right. We think it's about maybe it's, it's our career path. Maybe it's, it's all this external stuff. But, but what you're saying is if you actually look deeper and you heal, not you don't get the body right, but you heal the underlying mindset issue that's creating that obsession or that, um, that control pattern, then that's where the healing happens. I, I think we just keep chasing, just thinking I'll lose a bit more weight or I'll get this thing sorted or I'll reach that next goal. I know you talk about this a lot in your work, um, but it's, it's more of the inner work shift. And it sounds like that's what's really began to shift for you. And how did you begin to, I mean, control, right? And particularly when your whole sense of self, your whole sense of worth, your whole identity is tied up in your physical appearance and what you have built, this whole identity that you've built, how do you then start to unravel some of those patterns? I I saw something you had written on your blog um, around how you were healing from this. And It said, every time I sat down to eat, I gave myself an opportunity to experience compassion and stop my self-judgment. I may have struggled, kicked and cried, but even even those moments were healing. I was allowing myself to feel every single emotion. I stopped fighting my intuition and my human desires and that was healing. Was this part of the healing? Was the willingness to sit with the discomfort of not playing out the control pattern? Exactly. So much so. I have people that come to me and they talk about how they want to get started with eating freely. And I'm like, great, let's eat freely. That's awesome. And they try it. And they think that eating freely means, again, eating perfectly, like eating freely perfectly. And that is not how it goes. It is a a mess of an experience. If you were to do a uh, draw with a pen what this experience looks like. It would it would just be a whole bunch of scribbles in a big giant circle. It's not linear going up, 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 up to this total food freedom where you love your body and you eat exactly what sounds good in the moment. You only eat till you're full and you only eat when you're hungry. It's not like that. The process looks like 
sometimes tears and sometimes pain, but every time you have this experience that you can use to better yourself and get closer to that North star you're headed towards. Eating is never going to be black and white. It's always going to be this great experience, except especially for people who come from this kind of background with food, where it's always been an issue in their life. When you get started with, let's say intuitive eating, you go, you get this meal, maybe you eat way more than your body really wanted to, but that's an experience and that is a, a learning experience for you to be able to get closer to find out where that happy place is for you to stop eating. But you're not going to find it if you feel shame whenever you do eat this meal. If you feel shame and embarrassed and mad that you ate past the point of fullness, you're not going to be able to find that point that you could have potentially stopped eating at that would make you feel good because it's coming out of a place of fear. Mm. And as long as you're scared of approaching a meal, you're never going to be able to really tap into that special place in your intuition that can tell you, okay, I feel good now. You'll never be able to realize that food is always abundant and it's always around you and it's always available because in your mind and physically speaking, your body is saying, okay, I'm only going to have this one opportunity to eat this piece of cake. So I might as well just binge and eat all of it. Right. Because it's already, you're, you're, you're already telling yourself with cues, this is, this is, this is a, a non-diet food, so I better hurry up and eat all of it. And your body's gonna say, blah, 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 "Give it all to me. I want it all now." Blah, 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 blah. And then before mm. you know it, you've eaten so much, more than you really wanted to eat. You look at the whole experience with shame, and it's gonna keep you in that cycle. Because the next day, what are you gonna do? You're gonna want to restrict your food. But if you can look at that experience and say, "Oh, I just ate a whole bunch of cake. Well, I could have stopped around that time. But that's totally fine. I didn't because my body really needed it. It really wanted it. And I'm teaching my body that there are no more limits. It can have the food whenever it wants. This is part of the process. Sometimes I'm going to eat way past the point of fullness, but that's okay. So for me, I had so many instances like that. And I still have instances where I eat way past the point of fullness, but like I don't really care because I know that's not, it does not reflect who I am as a person. It has nothing to do with my morality. It's just food. I just really loved the carrot cake and I just wanted to eat more. And that's totally cool because in the moment, that's what served me. And I can look at that experience with compassion and say, I'm human. I'm not a robot. I don't have like a formula that says how much to eat. I just go by what I feel. And sometimes I feel like eating 20 bites. Sometimes I feel like eating two bites. I just have to ask myself, really, Maddie, what do you want? Mm -hmm. And I only got to this point because I went through the experience of eating everything, anything all around, up and down and having compassion and saying, whatever that experience looks like today, it's okay. It's all right. That's what the experience is. Mm, and kind of soothing yourself through the way that you're talking to yourself and viewing yourself. Um, was control and perfectionism playing out in other areas besides food? Because, you know, I want to shine a light on this. I think it plays out across a lot of areas of people's lives. Yes. Oh, so much. It's really interesting because I just hosted my first retreat this weekend and I invited eight women into my home. And I knew these women would be like me. And I was thinking, what would be a huge challenge for me if I was one of these eight girls coming? Because they follow my message. I'm sure that they feel like they relate to me because of the control stuff. Mm. And I decided that I wasn't going to tell them the schedule. I told them nothing. Mm. All I told them is where my address was and what time to show up on Thursday. And all of them did great. I was so proud of them. But 
the first day or the first night when everyone sat around, they were all bonding over the fact that not knowing the schedule was driving them crazy. (laughs) And they were having anxiety. Some of them were like, had hyper focus on their body image because they, they were so afraid of not having control over the schedule that of course they wanted to lean on focusing on their body or getting extra rigid with their food because that was their coping mechanism for this. But I really wanted them to, to, to see see that they could do this, to see that they could get through, uh, not knowing what the schedule was going to be and leave it up to me. So they did it. And I was so proud of them because I really, I continued to not give them very much clarity. I kept saying like, okay, now tomorrow morning, show up at eight o'clock. We're going to do this, this, and this. The schedule's kind of out of my hands, depending on timing. So we're just going to go with the flow. And they all had to get out of the comfort zone with that. Now that's one great example, like scheduling and timing, but it also really plays out in so many other areas, like not even knowing if you're going to keep this amazing job you have, like you have this amazing job you want so badly but you're so terrified that it's going to be taken away from you. Every day you wake up and you wonder if it's your last day at this perfect job because it's too good to be true. And you want to control it to make sure your boss loves you, to make sure that you continue to climb up the ladder, even though you know climbing up the ladder kind of stresses you out because it's more responsibility. But you think that as long as you're progressing, you have more chances of keeping the job. But then you get that promotion, guess what? Still not good enough. You still are like, okay, now I got the promotion. Now I got to keep it. Now I got to keep impressing my boss. And I got to keep working, 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 working and becoming a workaholic because you're so terrified of losing this job when in reality you could just surrender to whatever may happen. If the job gets taken away, it gets taken away and you'll find something better because one door will close only because a better one opens. So trusting things like that or trusting a partnership or relationship or not having to control your partner, that is a huge theme is codependency Mm -hmm. can play out in ways where, okay, you are a neat freak and you want to make sure that your partner is also a neat freak. And whenever they leave out one pair of socks, you go to them and you try to control them and change them instead of just letting that slide or letting something a difference between you two just work itself out because you know the the relationship is meant to be instead you can't try to control them or you get mad when they go out without you because you have trust stuff that is another way that the control can play out and perfectionism as well ties in with all of this caring what people think trying to control other people's actions or opinions of you, Mm -hmm. trying to meet expectations. One huge theme that I do see often is family members in people's lives say that they are triggering to an individual in some way. They try to change the person and make them filter their language in front of them instead of simply trying to learn how they themselves can react in a different way. And I'm telling you guys, that is so much power when you can learn that everyone can do what they do and it's you who are, who's responsible for how you react. Oh, the power you gain from that is so incredible. And I know everyone can think of someone in their lives that just kind of rubs them the wrong way. And, and maybe you've had conversations with them saying, Hey, can you stop bringing up X, Y, and Z in front of me? I hate it when you do that. Or can you stop blah, 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 blah. I really hate it when you do that. Instead, ask yourself, how can can you not let it affect you? Maybe that person shouldn't even be in your life. How can you take control? How can you let this person be that be themselves, 100% themselves, and you change how you feel about it, how you react to it, how your mindset is, 
working on your mind Mm -hmm. and adjusting accordingly to how it will help you to be with that person without having to change them. That brings so much power. Mm, It sounds like control really plays out when we are surrounded by a lot of uncertainty and the unknown. Like you use the example of those women coming to your retreat and I love that exercise that you did with them of not telling them what was going to happen. Um, And you mentioned that because they were feeling quite somewhat powerless or out of control of their environment, their then food kind of controlling was playing up because that's where they were finding a sense of certainty and safety. It was like their coping mechanism, you said. And I think that's a really interesting insight for people to realize that if their control patterns are playing up to be like, okay, this is part of my coping mechanism because I feel anxious or powerless or out of control or surrounded by uncertainty and I feel really vulnerable and scared and perhaps it's about then well what is a new more constructive and supportive way of of nourishing and supporting myself through this rather than control so what are some of the ways because we're we're always all surrounded by uncertainty and the unknown I mean we really are never actually in control. We think we are. So how have you learned how to support yourself through self-care and self-love to find more safety and comfort in life without needing to play out patterns of control? There are many different ways for individuals to find that peace and Mm. find their own way of surrendering. I'll speak personally. Mine is my faith. Mm. Being able to believe that someone has my back and I don't have to control everything or do everything and know that everything is meant to be the way it turns out has brought me so much peace. Like whenever I get in moments of panic or frustration or something isn't working around the way I think it should work, I just say, okay, God has my back. He's doing this for a reason. I'm going to see how this plays out and see why he's doing this. I have no idea. But my puny, tiny, teeny little human sized brain can't really comprehend it, but I'm just going to trust that he is doing this for a reason. And that brings me so much peace and, oh, just like rest. I don't feel like I have to be in control because I know I'm not in control because he is in control. Mm. And I'll never have my will and my agenda be number one. It's his agenda, his will. Mine is next up. I can continue to go towards the goals I want to make and try to manifest the life I want while being open to a destiny or whatever word you want to use that's greater than what I think is in my future. So I combine the two things. My favorite quote is when you pray, move your feet. So I focus on praying, giving it over, surrendering while moving my feet, meaning while making goals, while uh, setting new standards for myself or diving deeper into self-care and what it means to be Maddie Moon. Like I'm still continuing to create the life I want, but I'm not putting my identity into it. I'm not putting all my eggs into one basket and I'm not going to have my joy be conditioned on the status of those dreams and goals. Because I here's my, my mind to be like, oh, I'm destined for traveling out of the country once a year, having 10 clients, hosting two retreats and blah, blah. When in reality, God could be like, actually, I want you traveling 10 times out of the year and hosting retreats in different countries. Like that's not something my mind is like focused on. I'm, I'm focused on what I think is good for me Mm. when in reality something else could be. And if I'm so 
closed off, trying to fight for control, I will miss those doors opening. I will be so laser focused on what I think is meant to be that when a person comes into my life that asks me out to lunch because they actually want me to come out to Bali to lead a retreat with them, when they reach out to me and ask me, hey, you want to go out? And I have no idea that's their intention. I could just say, no, 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 thank you. Because I'm like, I'm so focused on what I want. So I say no to opportunities that pop up when when they actually could be that door opening. So when I keep the mindset of I can control my mindset, I can focus on joy, I can focus on peace and surrendering, I can focus on those things. That's the one thing I can control is my mindset. But everything that happens outside of my mind, outside of my body is out of my control and I'm surrendering to that. That's when I start to notice what doors open, what signs I receive, and I can really feel it out. And and that's been my happy place. And I will be honest, like I've been this whole podcast, um, that this has been a process and it's something that I've been discovering more and more recently, this delicate balance between control of the mind and surrender within the body and surrender to what is planned for me or what my new purpose could become or my new passion could become. And that's what I want people to be able to find is to first of all, know, just know, understand you're never in control of those surroundings. You're not. So the sooner you can finally come to terms with this, acknowledge it, accept it, the better. Second of all, understand your own mortality. Be able to contemplate your own death. And it's kind of morbid, but every day I do take time to think about that. Because if I don't really stay present with the fact that I'm going to die, I can quickly find, I can quickly rationalize trivial things. Oh, this thing, I, I'm, I can't get on this podcast or, ah, this timing thing's out of my control or ah, I don't have time for a workout. I can let that stuff get in the way. If I don't understand how short life is, I can rationalize. Yeah, it's okay to waste a whole day focused on how this isn't in my control and this isn't in my control and I can't control what this person thinks of me. I can rationalize it when I feel like my life will go on forever. But when I understand that my life is short, and it will not go on forever. It brings me back down. I feel more grounded and I'm more focused on taking advantage of every moment I've been given because I don't know how many more I have left. Mm. A couple of things you touched on there have really jumped out in my mind. One is this shift of moving our power from being outside of us to being inside of us. I think that's a big part of what this shift is, is you've been talking a lot about. It's less about trying to control how other people are reacting and responding or the circumstances of our lives and more, if we're going to use the word control, being in control of our own inner reactions and responses to all of that. So we're shifting the power from outside to inside and then we're also shifting the power almost to our higher power. So, you know, you use the term God, I kind of refer to my spirit or my higher self. We all use different phrases. But for me, surrender and exactly what you're discussing is I surrender my plan to the higher plan and I open up to receive what the divine plan is for my life and I drop 
the, my own plan of my life. Because I think what you're touching on is we find so much comfort and security from feeling like we have a plan and we think we know what's going to happen and, and life is all scheduled and mapped out and we're like, oh, well, I can relax then because it looks like my future's all going to be okay. But surrender, and I want to go deeper into surrender with you because this is a big theme coming up in my conversations with my community at the moment. It sounds like surrender is... I don't know what's going to happen, but that's okay because it's going to be shown to me in every moment. So do you have a process for how you kind of receive that that inner guidance or how you, for me, like I use journaling a lot to sort of receive inner guidance or do you just kind of show up in the unknown and be open and, and wait for it to be revealed to you? That's a really good question. I think I'm going to go with the second thing you said, Mm. but I'm also going to add that more recently I've done a lot of manifestation work Mm -hmm. and I think that helps a lot as well because it gives me the feeling of what I desire before I even receive it. And so it gives me this just really delicious feeling of trust and faith. And I, I can get that feeling almost of control, but it's in a completely different way. Like Mm. let's use a specific example. I've had a very poor relationship with money. Like a lot of people have. And more recently, instead of just saying, Hey, I'd like to have a better relationship with money. God, make this happen. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) And like not revisiting for a while. Instead, I've been intentional with it. And I have said every morning, a, a meditation, I've been doing this great visualization, meditation, hypnosis type thing for about 10 minutes. And I just listened to this positive message over and over and over and over and over, just telling me in my ears, like money is abundant. It's not scarce. You deserve it. X, Y, Z, all that kind of stuff. And it's just great positive reinforcement. Second of all, I do mantra writing. So I write the same line over and over and over Mm. 10 times. And then I do that twice with two different lines. Um, And this was something that my personal coach prescribed to me to do. And then I kind of leave it there. That's about 30 minutes of work every day, focusing on what it is that I'm trying to manifest. And then, then I just trust. And then I just say, if this is meant to be, if I am meant to um, have this amount of, of money that I'm making as my goal for this month, then so be it. If it's not, at least I know that I am actively working on changing my mindset with it. So, so much work is done in the mind with me and my clients. And I I believe that the mind is the most powerful tool that we possess, that we as human beings possess is just our mind and being able to change the mind, uh, assume the feeling of what it is that we want before we have it Mm. saying, I am so grateful and happy now that I have this relationship I want, this beautiful relationship with a partner that is strong and a leader and supports me before you even have that person in your life. And you're assuming the feeling of what it is that you want before you have it. And I think that's very powerful. So I do a lot of mantra writing as well as journaling. Like you say, I do journaling. Um, not, I go through phases. I really would love to have a more steady practice because when I do it, often. It definitely shows up in my life. But to me, I seem to make more time for it whenever I'm traveling, because then I like to record what I was doing for those travels. And 
in just my typical day-to-day life when I'm not traveling, that's when my mantras really become my go-to type of journaling is just writing the same line Mm. because it helps me to simplify. I love to be able to journal what's going on in my life, but for me, it just helps me to simplify and focus on one thing at a time and let all of my other thoughts about what's going on kind of just leave my body and leave my mind because I can be like I've said this whole podcast, kind of a control person. So almost documenting everything going on can be not that great for me because I feel like I have to, or I have to document, write lists, control what's going on. And it's almost more of a challenge for me to let it just not go recorded and just kind of pass away. If that makes any sense, it's kind of confusing, but it's no, the best way to describe it. It makes perfect sense. And I'm I'm wanting to to talk about surrender with you because I know people have a lot of different, um, I think have a, a few misconceptions around it. And what you're talking about now is not that surrender is like giving up and I'm just going to sit on a meditation pillow and expect God or the universe or my spirit is going to deliver my desires to me. Um, the, what I'm sort of hearing from how you're talking about surrender is you're surrendering the how, you're surrendering the plan. So you're still birthing your desires and you're still tuning into the feeling of having them and connecting with them and, and working with the energy of of the feeling of them every day, but then you surrender it like it's done. You're like, well, this is done. And my personal practice is then I wake up every day and I say to spirit, okay, cool. What do you want me to do today? How do I move towards this today? It reminds me of, um, Gabby Bernstein uses the quote a lot from A Course in Miracles, which is every day to wake up and say, what would you have me do? Where would you have me go? What would you have me say and to whom? And that's like a surrender to the higher power of here's my desire, but you're going to move through me and show me how this is going to happen. Is that kind of your perspective on it too? Exactly. Another quote that you just kind of brought to my mind is from A Course in Miracles. And it's those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait without anxiety. I love that one. That's one of my favorites too. So good. Um, You know, Katie Dalebout, right? Yes, I adore Katie. She's the one who first brought that to my attention. And this was about a year and a half ago when I was just so anxious and stressed about business growth and this and that and feeling stagnant. And she was like, girlfriend, (laughs) those who are certain of the outcome can afford to wait and wait with anxiety. And I wrote that down and it stuck with me forever. And it's just, it's a really great way to summarize how I feel now just about everything. Like, I'm certain of the outcome. I'm certain that I can have the relationship that I want someday. And I'm not in any hurry because I know that it's there and I trust in God to provide. And I also know that by working on myself, I will become the person that I need to be in order to be able to handle such a powerful, awesome relationship one day. And intuitively, I feel that since I don't have it right now, I'm not supposed to have it right now. Mm. I trust, I surrender. I don't have this relationship. I'm not in a place to have it right now. I'm not getting on Tinder anymore because I used to totally do that. But I realize that's not in line with who I am at all. So I'm not going to be out there trying to seek, not that there's anything wrong if anyone's on Tinder and, and actively pursuing a relationship. But for me, it doesn't feel right. I would rather surrender to that time and place that I meet that person and it happens. But for now, I want to focus on what I can focus on, what's in my power and surrender to the how. I love that you Mm. clearly and concisely wrapped that up 
in that little bow that it's the how <laughs> it's the how of how it's going to happen and and when also i yes, have learned to surrender yes to the when and, and a, another great example is um this retreat this weekend like i i admitted to all the girls before we got started hey guys my biggest two my biggest two like flaws in um not ever, but two big flaws of mine are one directions and two, uh, timing, because I always underestimate the amount of time it takes to do something, which is kind of hard when you're planning a whole retreat. Cause it's like this time we do this, this time we do this and everything was off the timing. And two, three years ago, I would have freaked out by that. I would have been so frustrated and mad. Okay. Ah, we're four hours behind schedule, but now I am so okay. It's meant to be. I, I had um, a workshop leader coming in on Friday around uh, three, and Thursday at midnight, she texted me and said she wasn't going to come. Mm. And I had a moment of crying. I was really, I was, I was already so overwhelmed because I just met all the girls, and it was my first time to be in any kind of position where I had eight people staring at me. Cause I do all my stuff online. I do coaching calls on the phone. I do podcasting. I'd never been in a room leading a group of eight people. And it was just a lot for me to handle, even though the first night was three hours. And then I had her text me and say, Hey, I can't come anymore. This has been planned for three months. And I cried. I was so sad and panicked. I reached out to someone I trusted and she was like, I'm going to help you find someone. She got me in touch with another girl. And this girl goes to bed early like me, like nine o'clock. She happened to be awake and she happened to say, yes, I can come in tomorrow and do this. What are the, I just got goosebumps talking about this because mm. I still can't believe it. Cause like, what are the odds? Like realistically speaking, when you reach out to someone at midnight to come in and do a workshop the next day, Normally they're going to pass. That would be a hard no for a lot of people. But she said, yep, I'll do it. And I allowed myself to feel those feelings of panic without judgment. I, I knew that that was a worthy moment of freak out. But I also trusted that something better was going to happen. And something better happened. That girl led the most amazing workshop. And it would have been way better for her to be there than for the original workshop. So I was like, wow, that was so meant to be. And, and more things like that happened. Mm. More more thing like a hike we took got postponed to the next day. We woke up early to do the hike. One of the women had to go to the hospital because she had, um, uh, just some altitude stuff going on that was totally unpredictable, but she was a okay, totally fine. But the time that would freak me out too, two, three years ago, but we all handled it so well even though all the timing got totally crazy, everyone at the end of the retreat said it was perfect. Even the girl that went to the hospital was like, yep, perfect. Like it all worked out so well. There was the right amount of time for each thing. And they had no expectations because they didn't know the schedule. But I was able to handle that and say, whatever happens, I'm surrendering to the timing because I know that's a flaw with me. But I also know more than just being a flaw, like timing will do timing. Like I can't control I can't tell people who are in the middle of a session crying, opening up their hearts to say, oh, sorry, guys, it's 1.30. We need to wrap this up. <laughs> like I knew that there would be certain moments where people would have to take a good 30 minutes just for them to talk. And mm. um, I have a better idea now. So the next retreat, I, I know more about scheduling and what things need to be longer than other things. But it's only because I was open to 
a plan bigger than my own little plan, my own little schedule. And that's why it ended up being so powerful and impacting. Yes. And I I think the shift as well is when we're outcome focused, we're all about um, just getting to an outcome and having the outcome fit into our plan. But when we're kind of this practice you're taking on more surrendered, more present, more open, you touched on this before. It's more about the journey and the learnings and the the person, like you have learned so much more through that particular retreat than you would have if you had just been in your head trying to schedule it and your own personal growth. And I want to quickly just touch on that. Um, You were talking about the dating thing as well and that the reason sometimes our outcomes don't arrive on our time and go according to our plan is because there's some precious growth and learning that still needs to happen before we're ready to receive that outcome, before we're ready to, to have that relationship or that next level amount of money or that big, big client or whatever it is. Um, and, I, and for me personally, surrendering the plan is about surrendering to the process it needs to unfold within me Mm. for my growth. So I'm just wondering for you, what do you currently feel are the big growth lessons that you're moving through in your process that you know are part of also the outcomes that you're going to be stepping into? What's your big kind of growth work at the moment in yourself? Do you mean like the thing in my life that needs more love and attention? Like within your, like, where do you feel like you're expanding or the, or the key kind of lessons that, mm. that you're going on inside of you that, are, that you know are kind of preparing you for the next level of the external manifestation? Does that question make sense? Yes. <laughs> yes. I think so. I think I got it. Um, for me personally, it's fear mm. and that's, I'll just say that's a lifelong journey, but I think it has more attention right now than ever before because I'm setting dates for things that I never, that I've been talking about for years. Oh, I want to be public speaking around the world. Oh, I want to be hosting retreats. Oh, I want to be doing this. But I never actually set the date. I always kind of was like, um, you know, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. And I've felt this urge recently to make it happen and take control and just make it happen instead of, this is one of the things that it's not just, I'm going to wait for a door to open and fall in my lap. This is something where I'm like, I know I have to make it happen. This is not something I'm going to wait around because I've waited around for a, uh, certain events for, to be asked to do certain events or, or something of that nature for a while. And it hasn't happened. And my heart's like yearning for it. So you know so, it's time to show up for it now. That's how I know it's yeah. really time that there are certain things that I'm, I'm allowing to fall in my lap, say the relationship stuff. That's like, something that is not really on my heart to, to do right now. I just got out of a year and a half relationship. I need a, a breather because I want to focus on my work and that's where my heart is. And that's why the public speaking has really shown up recently in my life because I've been thinking I'm ready to play bigger. I'm ready to take the next journey and, and fear. And it's, it's showing up in multiple ways. I have always thought that I was afraid of heights And that's been a story I've told myself since I was a kid. When I was a kid, I was afraid of heights, but I think I probably grew out of that about four years ago. And it's still something I tell people, oh, I'm terrified of heights. I'm terrified of heights. Well, I was on the very edge of the mountain cliff. (laughs) This is not smart, but I was on the very edge of the mountain cliff to take a picture of all the girls. And like I was leaning back and everyone was like, 
freaking out. And I was the one person that had no fear at all. I was just like, I got to get this picture guys. Like, shh, calm down, smile. <laughs> one, two, three, cheese. <laughs> and it did not scare me at all. And I just looked down and there was like, I'm on this whole mountain. And I was, I just was, you know, I, I knew I felt very stable on my feet and walked away from the tip of the mountain. I was fine. But everyone was like, I cannot believe you weren't scared. And I was like, yeah, cause I'm so afraid of, maybe I'm not afraid of heights Mm. and I've had these dreams been popping up recently of like skydiving, which is also totally crazy. And that's always been the, one of the biggest fears in my life is, is skydiving and jumping out of plane or bungee jumping. And, um, that's been showing up for me, just a feeling. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Cause I'm wanting to public speak. I'm wanting to host retreats. I'm wanting to, to skydive or face my fear of heights. And I'm like, maybe I'm not as fearful as I once thought, or maybe I'm just going through this period of, of growth in in a completely new way that I've shoved under the rug for years. And that's only because I've surrendered. That's only because I've surrendered to letting go of beliefs that might not ring true to me. Maybe they did, I was also like, maybe I am terrified of heights, maybe not. But I've noticed that the things that have feared me the most, heights and public speaking, are the two things I've wanted to do the most recently. Mm. So I'm saying I'm going to do it. So I ask you and I ask all your listeners, like, what are the things, what are the stories you've been almost automatically telling people when they say something? Oh, no, I can't do that. I'm afraid of that. Oh, this is the worst thing ever because blah, blah, blah. Like, does that really still feel true to you? Or are you just saying that on repeat because you've been saying that since you were five years old? Maybe things have been or opportunities have been popping up in your life where it kind of sounds fun or you might want to flirt with, you know, the edge of the cliff just to see how it feels. And you may surprise yourself that the things you thought where the areas that would hold you back in life are actually the very areas that will launch you forward now. I freaking love that. And I feel like this is a very big theme in my own life too, is like pushing our own limits, like noticing where we have put a limit on ourselves and just been carrying the story, like you said, for so long of like, oh yeah, I'm not that type of person. I don't really do public speaking or, you know, that's just something that I'm scared of or I'm not capable of. And I've, I've been exploring a lot of, I want to know what I'm capable of. And I almost want to find those areas where I've for years said, I can't do that or I can't reach that income level or I can't um, show up in that way or, or speak to that many people and actually be like, I wonder if I could. And how cool would it be if I could do something that I previously said I could never do? And I think that's where we our whole identity and self-perception shifts. And that's how we expand, where we look at those pockets that we've put a limitation and then said, I wonder if I could do that. And, and the incredible person that we become along the journey of being able to do something that we previously said we could never do. I love that. Mm, yes, mm. It's, it's just so powerful. Like, It's powerful to be able to step into a new version of yourself. Yes. and. It might sound kind of vague, but but it's very true that I've just thought I was this one person my whole life. And I'm like, literally, okay, maybe not literally, um, <laughs> metaphorically yeah. able to see the change. Yeah, I'm in that, I'm in the midst of the change right now. And it's crazy to be able to catch it. Because a lot of times we just kind of change and we don't really take the time to be like, oh, I'm changing. What a weird period of transition. But I'm able to see this change and I'm yeah. like, whoa this is exciting. This is new. What else, 
what else can I do? What other changes are around the, the horizon and the corner? I don't know, but I'm open to them. Yeah. And I think if that's the biggest, as you were saying as well to the listeners, to, to take that mentality away and journal on that and explore that within yourself and start to push some of these barriers of yourself and get really excited about the possibility of doing something new and something different and redefining yourself. Um, Maddie, this has been such an incredible conversation. I mean, I could keep going on with you for hours, but I am keeping an eye on the time. Um, obviously, you've, you've got a lot that's shifting for you at the moment and a lot of new stuff that you're creating and stepping into. So can you share a bit of, uh, with my listeners about one, where they can find out more from you and maybe tune into your podcast too? And two, um, you know, what's on the horizon for you? What, what, um, what can we expect to come out over the rest of the year or early next year? Yes, absolutely. So the best way to find me is my website, maddymoon.com. And if anyone is just listening and not looking at the show notes, it's M-A-D-D-Y moon.com, Maddie Moon. And my podcast is Mind Body Musings. You can find that on my website on iTunes or Stitcher. And on my site, I have a free course called How to Powerfully Live Your One Life. And it's a great course, kind of just helps you unfold some of the current things that are blocking you from powerfully living your one life or some of the gifts maybe you're not sharing so much. It's a five-part course. And when you sign up for that, you'll be on my newsletter to hear about the tons of things that I'm working on. Just a couple of those. I just released, uh, released my group coaching program called The Freedom Lounge, and it is a great place to get exclusive interviews with really amazing top uh, leaders of this community and this world, as well as videos and assignments and resources. There's a book club of the month aspect and a group coaching call. So thefreedomlounge.com is where you can find out more about that. I also have seminars and another retreat on the horizon. So all of that stuff will be shared on uh, in my newsletter. So anyone that signs up for that course will be notified of, of those dates. Awesome, guys. I highly recommend that you rock on over and check all of that out. And I know my listeners always love finding out about new podcasts. So if they haven't discovered yours yet, I'm sure they're going to go on there and just devour all of your episodes. Thank you so much for being here, Maddie. It's been so lovely to chat to you and, and really awesome to hear your journey and, and even dive into this whole conversation around control versus surrender. It's a huge part of my passion. So I've loved that we've got to talk so much about that. Um, thank you so much for being here and thank you to everyone who has tuned in to today's episode of Awaken Radio and I look forward to chatting to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.